Hey everybody, I am your host Jada and you are now tuned in to more to the story, the podcast and show. Let me just say that this is season two. Season two, just to think that I started my blog hesitant, I didn't have confidence in myself, I didn't know if people would listen, I didn't know if they would, you know, read my stories, but here we are with Brokenness That Made Me Whole, that actually came after my blog, so I did write my first book, it is available on Amazon, but anyway, you can tell I'm very, very excited, I figured, you know, what better way to start season two, episode one, other than starting with my mom, the person who brought me into this world. So today I do have my mom on the show. I am so excited. Mom, say hey. Hey. (laughs) Yes. Now at the end of 2019, um, during the holiday season, I was reflecting on where we were, Ma, at the end of 2018. You know, that text message I got in December. Um, But before that, I'm sorry, after that, after that message, we ended up in New York. George was in ICU. My brother George, he's the oldest of us. Um, And we honestly didn't know if he would make it because every day it got worse, literally every single day. But my mom, she stayed by his side. She literally dropped everything, flew to New York and stayed there until he went home. So I wanted to bring her on my show because I was just sitting back reflecting on that and thinking about it just a mother's love like there is nothing 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 like it and I know that everyone say oh my mom is the best my mom is the best no my mom is the best and we can argue if you want to just kidding so just to give you a little background I am the youngest on my mom's side I'm the baby so there's George who's the oldest then there's Tierra, Erica and then there's me so enough about, you know, the background and everything. Ma, you still there? I am still here. <laughs> okay, just to let y'all know, with COVID-19 going on, you know, we really couldn't risk it. You know, we want to make sure we practice in social distancing. So we are recording on the phone, and who knows how long I'll be doing, you know, my phone interviews. But nonetheless, we are here giving you a story because there's always more to the story. Now, Ma, can you talk about... When you found out you were pregnant with me, what were your thoughts? Were you expecting me? Was this a surprise? Let us know. It was a surprise. I was not expecting you. However, it was great to know that I was going to be having my last child because I had already made up my mind. (laughs) This was going to be the last. But it was great. You know, like any other person who's a young lady who's expecting a baby, it was great. You know, you're just saying, okay, I got to get ready. To see one more, let's see what I got to do. But other than that, it was great. Okay. And then, like, were you, were there any concerns that you had? You know, you already had three children, you know, George and Tierra, the oldest. Um, I think at that point, well, I don't know the timeline, but I know that their dad was not there and and then it was me and Erica, you know, but before I was born, were you technically a single mom or did you have help? I, I don't really know the timeline. I was, I was actually a single mom, mm-hmm. um, so that is yes. But I did have a little help because I had my mom who was still alive. So she was able to help out because she lived with me. 
Um, but yeah, I was a single mom, but it was, again, when you're having another baby, of course you are always worried about, am I going to be able to feed this baby? Can I make sure that everything is okay? But I was working and I had a good job, so I wasn't really worried about it. I was just like, there's more structure I got to do here to get one more kid in to make sure that everything is okay. Got it. Got it. So, Mon, how did you choose my name? You know, was this a process? Did you always love the name Jada? How did you come up with my name? No process to that. That was all your auntie Sherry. She uh, actually was helping out because I wasn't sure what I wanted to name me. Mm -hmm. She gave me like a list of names, and it was actually two different names. It wasn't together. I just picked uh, several names that she gave me. But that's how we got your name. So Auntie Sherry. <laughs> so what Auntie was the second Sherry. name? You said she gave you two names. What which what was the other no, no, name? No, she gave me a list of names. Uh huh. I can't remember all of them, but it, it wasn't Jada Sharif. It might have been Jada something else, and then it was Sharif something else. Mm-hmm. There were several names. She had like a list. It had like eight or nine names on it. I just picked those two names because those two just. They just went together. Yeah. It just flowed for me. So, yeah, that's how we picked that out. Well, you did a good job because <laughs> I love yes, my name. Jada Sharice. Very good. So can you share what it was like raising four children as a single mom? You know, what were Ooh. some of the struggles you faced? What was your biggest concern? It was tough, but it was But, of course, you're always worried as a parent. You want to make sure that you're there, you know, to give them the guidance that they need so that they don't drift off into anything else. Of course, you're always worried about their safety. You know, you want to make sure they're in a good environment and then not having to worry about, you know, those little things of, you know, domestic abuse or anything of that nature. So it was definitely tough, but it was fun. Because, you know, it's always some noise in the house. Always some <laughs> stuff going on. <laughs> of course. But it, it was it was really tough. But it was well worth it. Yeah. So who was the loudest in the house growing up? <laughs> that would be you. Me! <laughs> that would be you and your brother. I was just about to say. I thought it would be George. <laughs> no. you. That was about to be you. But you were... Maybe a little bit louder because, again, <laughs> growing up, even though you haven't asked me this yet, but growing up as a kid, you were very funny, very playful, <laughs> but you were always the kid to test the water. Uh-oh. Let me see how far I can push mommy before she's ready to whip me. Oh, my goodness. I don't believe yes, it. You were. you were that kid. Let me test the water. But it was always a good time. You didn't get that many whoopings because once I got tired... <laughs> That voice, it be, it come from that another voice. room, from upstairs, from downstairs. My sisters, they get to snitching after I didn't got on their nerves. And all I hear is, Jada, that's that. I'm fed up. I done heard your names too many times today. And you would always would say, Jada, stop with the noise. Stop with the bull, the BS, y'all. So, yeah, I heard that a lot growing up, a lot. Exactly. <laughs> well, you answer my next question. I was going to ask, um, how was I growing up? So, growing up, I tested the waters. 
Um, how would you describe me now as your child, as an adult? As an adult, you are a sweet young lady, <laughs> very driven, very focused. Mm-hmm. However, however, you are that. How should I put it? Uh oh. Well, you. Oh, I was gonna say, did you forget? (laughs) Because I didn't forget. I was flabbergasted. You are my entitled child. I didn't forget. (gasps) You are. You know, sometimes you have that. I'm entitled because I'm the baby. I'm entitled because I'm the youngest. (laughs) We still love you, but you have that. I'm entitled to this. I rebuke this because I'm entitled. I understand that, but we still love you just the same. You know, it must be that the baby syndrome, you know, that that being that last child. But I also think it comes from spoiling me, Ma. You spoiled all of us. Well, I guess and it's not I an did, excuse. I was I was just about to say, maybe that's not an excuse because if nobody else feels entitled, no. that sounds like a Jada problem. <laughs> No, that's just Jada. That's all you. Oh, man. It's all yours. It's all yours. But, again, we still love you the same. It also, I think my Leo personality plays a role. You know, we are very demanding and leading. and ah, But I'm glad you still love me. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) I know um, so many women, Ma, who stay in a relationship because of the kids. And this brings me to my next point because I've talked to so many women, you know, whether it's the podcast or just relationship advice, and it's always a struggle. Well, for most women, it's a struggle when you have kids with that person. Sometimes people feel like, well, how do I leave? I still have to deal with him. Or if that person or that man is the um, the one who actually hurt them, and, and, and when I say hurt them, emotionally, you know, heartbreak, and you're trying right. to heal from the pain, but you still have to be in that same environment with that person. You know, they say you can't heal in the same environment you were hurt in. I wanted to ask you, you know, even though you had kids with, you know, I'm just speaking of my dad because that's my dad. Um, even though you had kids with my dad, how did you find the strength to walk away? You know, you didn't say, we got kids together. I just got to, you know, stick through this. How did you find strength to leave being a mother, regardless of having kids or that attachment with someone? Well, I mean, being a mother is part of the strength of leaving. Mm, me. Being a mother is part of the strength of leaving. Absolutely. That is powerful. And I have to do what's best for my kids. It's not about the relationship. It's what's best for my kids. So if this relationship is toxic, then my kids are going to grow up thinking, that's okay. Right. It's okay to be in that kind of relationship. And I didn't want that. Not that me parting, again, when I left, it wasn't where I still had a bad relationship. We just weren't good together. Mm -hmm. We were better separate. Not that your father wasn't there to help out for you guys once we worked together. That wasn't a problem. It just wasn't working with us being together. So I was never worried about leaving. Yeah. I just, because I'm strong, I can, I can make it on my own, but I have to make it a clear 
smooth environment for my children. That that's my first and foremost priority outside of myself. That was most important to me. Mm-hmm. I love it. And you said that you are strong, so you know that you could. You knew that you can make it. And y'all, my mama is so 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 strong. I, I we're strong, you know, because we were raised that way. And when I mean, I might have seen my mom cry a few times, maybe a handful. Y'all, that's how strong she is. So when she does cry, those moments, it's like, oh my god. The world is ending like mommy is hurt. She's crying. She's showing emotion, you know, because she's so strong. And we always say that she makes the impossible possible. Like this woman is superwoman. So I just give you a quick thank you real quick for teaching us how to be strong and just how to make it for real. You're most welcome. <laughs> okay. Now let's let's see what else I got on my list here. Oh, <laughs> being a mom and then uh, a single mom at that because there's someone that I talked to and she's actually going to be a guest on the show and I'm excited about that. But she said one of her reasons she stayed in the relationship, even though it was toxic, even though she was unhappy, even though it was damaging, she worried about men not wanting her because she was a single mom, because she had children. Was that a concern for you? Did you ever think like... Never. Never? Never a concern for me. <laughs> Period. Never. You said never. Uh, only because I'm a, I'm a very likable person. Mm-hmm. I never had that problem. And again, when I met your dad, I had two kids already. So that was never an issue for me. And I do know that it is an issue for some women. It just wasn't one for me. Right. Again, because, like I said, I was strong. I had a good job. I had my own thing going on. So it's not like I didn't have anything to offer someone or to bring to the table, even though I'm coming as a package deal. Okay. Gotcha. And it definitely is a package deal. You know, when you're dating someone, you can't just date that person or be in a relationship with that person if they have kids. It's a package deal. You're in a relationship with him and her, him or her and their kids. Okay. Something that I've always appreciated about you and what you thought, I'm sorry, what you taught us to be was to be vocal. You always, you know, told us, say how you feel, say what's on your mind. Even if we have to write it down on paper, that stuck with me because you were so um, just intentional and serious when you told us to that you wanted us to have a relationship with you as far as being vocal and saying how we feel or anything we wanted to talk about that you said to even write it down on paper. You know, why was that so important to you? That was important for me because I didn't have that from my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom was a strong mom like me, but my mom was an iron fist. An iron fist? Iron fist. There was no way around it. There was no telling her how you felt and I need this. So, you know, other than the essential things that you need in life, but mommy, you know, I'm feeling this way. I feel like you do this. No, that was none of that with my mom. Really? I was scared to do any of that. So that wasn't something that I wanted to have to bring into my relationship with my kids. I want you to be open with me. Tell me how you feel. Because as a parent, I know some things or something may be wrong, but I want you to learn it from me opposed to going out in the street and learning it from somebody else that's not going to have your best interests at all. Mm-hmm. So I needed 
you to, you know, always be able to be vocal with me. You know, even as adults, I always tell you guys now, you absolutely can say what you want to say because you're an adult. It's just how you say what you say right. that may cause a problem. <laughs> but other than that, no. We're still getting the neck. I definitely wanted you to be vocal. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, so that was a big thing for me. Okay. Now, if you know my mom or follow her on Facebook, she is always, always traveling. Always traveling. I'm talking stamps on stamps in her passport book, y'all. I mean, living her best life. Ma, can you talk about having children and partying in the house versus in different countries now? It was just so freeing. I finally got a chance to go somewhere without my kids. Love love you guys to death, but I just wanted to experience things by myself. Yeah. And that's what traveling does for me. I get to experience new things without my children, create a life for myself. Because, again, for so many years, my life was about doing what I had to do to make sure my kids had a good life. Mm -hmm. Now that you guys are older, everybody's good. It's time for me to make a life for me. Right. Traveling does that for me. Yeah, because you'd be gone, Mom. What was your first trip that you traveled to? My first trip was probably to New York, and it was a trip that I actually won through the job. I went to a Janet Jackson concert. Ah. And I went by myself. But, again, it was really nice. My first time being in New York mm-hmm. and Central Park. Yeah. Central Park at that. I remember that story. And then when we were out there visiting George, you know, you were telling me about it. Um, yeah being in new york by yourself seeing janet jackson that's that's amazing what would you say has been your favorite trip and if you can't just pick one what would you say your top two trips were your favorite my favorite would probably be i love mexico Mm -hmm. so i would say cancun was my favorite as well as tulum tulum even though Tulum, mm-hmm. Tulum is a little further out in Mexico from the airport, but it is so beautiful. Really? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yes. Those were probably my favorite two mm-hmm. so far. You really like Mexico. Both of your favorite trips were in Mexico. <laughs> yes, yes. So how? Very much so. I'm sorry. How can people reach out to you if they like to become a travel agent? Because you love traveling so much that you became a travel agent. Tell me first before we get into how they can contact you. You know, you can show them the ropes because she has showed me the ropes, y'all. Um, what are some of the perks of being a travel agent? Well, one is helping other people, of course, mm-hmm. to, you know, travel if they want to travel. You want to make it easier for them so they don't have to do any other leg work. You get everything together for them and make sure that they have a great time. But at the same time, it's a really big bonus for me because you get to travel as a travel agent now. So a lot of things that I used to book or I'm booking for other people, I get at a deeply discounted rate because I am a travel agent. And I also get to tour a lot of sites because I'm a travel agent, you know. Because, of course, they want you to come. They give you the great rooms because they want you to bring back people to their establishment as well. Right. But the discounts that you get as a travel agent are phenomenal. They really are. I've seen it from my own eyes. And (laughs) 
you definitely want to become a travel agent. So, my, how can they get in contact with you? How can they reach you if they, you know, have some questions and they are looking to become a travel That's agent? Cool. Sure. Even if they want to just have some questions, they can reach me on Facebook or they can reach me by email. My email is sbutler102 at gmail.com. Got it. So it's S as in Sabrina, sbutler102 at gmail.com butler okay all right now that was fun you know talking about all the good and growing up and you know who's the loudest in the house but life truly 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 took a turn um and we were scared we did what we had to do we all jumped on the plane and we were there for george like no other so you guys I ended up getting a Facebook message at 12-something at night, almost 1 in the morning. And at this time, I actually had my phone on Do Not Disturb. I used to put my phone on Do Not Disturb all the time at night. But Tyron actually seen the message come through, and I was just on my way to sleep. And he told me, you know, you just got a message about George. So the message says, This is December 5th, 2018. The message says, Hey, boo, I just got a call from one of George's friends in New York. They are looking for your mom's number to get in touch with. They didn't give me any details, but George is in the hospital. Can, I mean, I I don't even have words right now. Just imagine getting that text at 1 in the morning. Me calling my mom and telling her with no further answers or details, but George is in the hospital. Is he okay? You know, like, is this an emergency? It sounds like an emergency, right? And we don't have any details. So I immediately called my mom and she always answered the phone, you know, in those late hours, thank God. And I called her and I just said, Mom, wake up. So she said, okay, I'm up. And I said, I just got a message. They said George is in the hospital. Now, we're all in Chicago. My brother George, he lives in New York. We don't know what hospital he's in. The message came through. He didn't even know what hospital, you know, George was in. So me and my mom, you know, we playing phone tag. We calling hospitals. We were searching, you know, trying to find him, giving him, giving them his name, you know, his age, his date of birth. It took us a while, but we finally found him. But before we get into the details, Ma, can you just explain how you felt at one in the morning when you got that phone call from me? What was going through your mind? Nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking, um, to say the least. As a parent, to say the least, as a parent, the last thing you want to do, first of all, is get a call at one o'clock in the morning saying that your child is in the hospital and you don't know where. Right. They don't have any details. So now my mind is just racing. I need to know where he is because I need to get there. Mm-hmm. I need to get there, and I need to get there right now. Right. So, you know, we called around, and we were trying to find him. And once we did find him, my what you say about an hour or two hours, what, what time frame were you on that first plane to New York? I was on the first plane out of Midway. Out of Midway. The very first plane. So it was maybe an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I just threw some stuff in the bag and got a ride to the airport. I was gone. 
gone. And I know. I needed to be there. Right. You you needed to be there. And I know in the process of us trying to find him, you were already packing your bag, you said, you know, because you knew what it was. Like, I'm gone. I'm going to my son to make sure he's okay. My one and only son at that. And that's your oldest child, you know. Absolutely. I'm sure that had to be scary. No question. No question at all. I mean, you know, just about I'm assuming any mother would do the same thing, you Mm -hmm. know, but that that wasn't an an option for me right my thing was getting there you know and i thank god that i had southwest points and you know a little money put to the side you know Mm -hmm. just so that i could be there for this situation because you never know when something like this is going to happen but again i don't want to talk to anybody over the phone about this i want to be there first and foremost up close and personal right you want to see for yourself what's going on absolutely so you got to New York on December 5th, the the same yeah. day pretty much um, that we got the the text message or the message on Facebook. Yeah. You got there December 5th. When did you come home? Uh, not until January the 13th. Wow, January 13th. Yep. So and, over a month. and this whole time, let me just give y'all just a visual here. She, my mom got to New York December 5th. She didn't come home until January 13th of 2019. Now, she is, we're in ICU this whole time. My brother never left and went to, you know, just being to in a normal room, being admitted, you know, as a patient. He was in ICU every single day. And... And I say that to say there was no couch, you know, it wasn't a comfortable room that she could relax and, you know, really get some sleep at night, lay down. She was in one chair for most of the time. Sometimes if they had an extra chair, they would bring her another chair in where she could, you know, lift her legs. And then they finally bought her a recliner chair. But when I say it wasn't the most comfortable situation to be in, of course, you know, physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. But you couldn't tell her anything else. It wasn't about going home. You know, sometimes they told us, well, you can only have, you know, two people in the room at once. Lady, listen, we all going up here. We all came from Chicago and we're going to sit in this room with my brother. So we had a packed room, you know, a lot of days and just... It was it was sad to see, you know, not just my brother, but my mom as well. You can't really comfort a parent. You know, this is her child. Like, what do you say? And as I mentioned before, every single day it got worse. But she stayed by my brother's side no matter what. And my, I just want to ask, you know, what gave you the strength? I don't think that I... I've probably seen you cry once when we were there, you know, in ICU, but... You know, where was the strength coming from? I know we had a lot of support. We had a lot of prayers. People were donating financially because you didn't, You at one point, you weren't getting paid, you know, because you were out there no. so long. No, I wasn't. But you know what? My strength just came from just being a parent. This is my child. He's going to be okay. I got to be here. I got to make sure that he's okay. Because, again, you're still there, and in the back of your mind, you you. Like you said, you only saw me cry once. Doesn't mean I didn't. I would do it when nobody was around. Right. But I'm just thinking, as a parent, I'm so used to being there for my kids, making sure that everything is all right. And I can't, there's nothing I can do 
but be here. Mm-hmm. And what Nothing I could do but be here and pray. Right. Which which is what I did every day. You know, and again, I I had many of people to call me, to text me, to pray for him, and I absolutely appreciate them all. But just being there and you, and you being a parent and you can't do anything was probably the most nerve-wracking that I've ever been in my life because I, I was helpless yeah. other than just being there. But I wanted to be there because I know that when people go to the hospital and they don't have anyone there for them, it's out of sight, out of mind. Right. I was not about to let them let my child fall by the wayside. Mm. I need them to do everything that they get paid to do. And I'm going to be here to make sure that it happens. Wow. And my, I remember just watching you you would put vaseline on his lips you would lotion his hands his feet you know you would just make sure he was comfortable and he was clean you know what what was your thoughts then i know before you said george just hate his lips to be chapped you know so you made sure you put vaseline but you really you know you took care of him and made sure they took care of him telling him i mean telling them you know, can you move him over? Can you, you know, move him on another side? Can you prop him up? Yes. I mean, I wanted to be a nuisance to them. Not a bad nuisance, but just to know you're going to have to do what you are paid to do. Because, again, like you said, he hated his lips to be chapped. You know, the only thing I couldn't do was cut his hair and shave him because I didn't know how to do that because I know he would have had a fit <laughs> all that hair on his face and on his head. But again, I just wanted to try to keep things as normal as I could considering the situation. Yeah. I wanted, you know, do I love Jane Fonda exercises and yeah. his arms around and, you know, all that stuff and just talking to him and, then you know, just reading. You know, I would read stuff or play the songs that he liked because then he liked Baby Shark. Oh, my I, goodness. I remember. I the Baby Shark song every day and then the... Mariah Carey Christmas song that he loves so much. Just just little things and just talking to him, you know, telling him, look, I need you to get better. I need you to get better. I am not going to be able to handle this if you don't get better. Right. I need you to be here with me till I'm old and gray and go on. But I, I need you to be here. I need you to come back. You know, mm. just you need some rest. Just rest for a little bit. But I need you to come back. Right. And you would have... Oh, yeah, that is so beautiful. I'm so emotional. I almost forgot about Baby, uh, Baby Shark. Like, he he loved yeah. it. He would kind of move a little bit, and he would smile and, like, nod his head and stuff. Oh, man. And it was just so beautiful to just watch you do the exercises with him. You know, you weren't just sitting there to to oversee them. You were actually up and active and doing things with George and... I know that he appreciated it. And I, I think that that just brought all of us even closer. You know, George told us it meant so much to him that we dropped everything and flew to New York. And it's just like, of course, you know, no questions asked. Absolutely. No question at all. That wasn't even an option. I it was just how fast can I get there? Right. I remember we did have a nurse who was, she was just everything. We would always request her, you know, just ask if she's there today, even if he had other nurses, because there were nurses, you know, we didn't really care for. But this nurse, I can't, I think her name was Elizabeth or something. It Some, was Elizabeth, but uh, I can't remember her last name. 
because there were two there, but it was Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. She was awesome. She was so, so sweet, really took care of George. And she was about as big as a stick, you know, and George was huge. And she was trying to prop him up and turn him over and stuff. Wow. That was was a task. I remember like it was yesterday. Um, And she suggested. Thank God. Right. Thank God. She suggested that, you know, we put up pictures to help his memory and I know, next thing I know, I came to um to see George one day because sometimes we would take breaks and one person would stay overnight and, you know, some of us would go home to his apartment and just get some rest. And I came back and it was pictures everywhere. My, you put up those pictures, right, of our family? I did. Oh, my goodness. And I still have the picture because I knew that this was going to be a testimony. Like, I knew. So I took pictures of... Um, the pictures that my mom put up, and it was pictures of of George, of his uh, friends, of us, you know, his family, his siblings, and it was just it. I had never seen anything like this, but it just showed how dedicated my mom was. Like we're gonna bring his memory back. I'm gonna put these pictures up. My son is coming home. It it was just it's so amazing. So I'll make sure I share that with you guys. What was your prayer every day to God, Ma? You know, you said this every you were telling me you said this every day, like Lord, please don't take my son. Was was that it? Don't take my son. Don't take my son. Yeah. He's got so much to do in life. Just don't take my son. Mhm. That was my everyday prayer. You know, outside of praying that for a speedy recovery, I just did not want him to take my child. Yeah. I wasn't going to be able to handle that. I am absolutely strong, but I was not going to be able to handle that. Right. I just thank God for just the support that you had, you know, the fact that you were able to just drop everything and be there with George. And, you know, thank God you still have your job. You know, you had to use a lot of time. Some people are not that fortunate. Right. To, you know, be able to be off like that. And, and again, I, I have a good job. We have good benefit plans that allow you to be able to take off when needed. Um, and, you know, we have certain groups that we call I didn't have to do anything they set up everything for me Mm -hmm. because at a point I was losing my mind I had to go and talk to somebody they set all of that up that was you know free for me um and and it was good it helped me you know because again I'm I'm there I'm I'm just losing my mind I'm losing my hair nervous but I just did not I was not going to leave that hospital until my child left that hospital I was not yeah and you stayed there until he left. I said, send me a video, you know, of y'all walking out of the hospital. And she sure did. We got George recording, um, recorded, leaving the hospital. But we also have videos of he pretty much had to learn how to walk again. You know, being in the bed for over a month, he had to use those muscles again. And, you know, he yeah, had physical he therapy there. every day. Yeah, but he bounced right back. I was just about to he say that. He amazed the doctors. because he bounced back so quick I mean it wasn't even a month after he was out of the hospital his next checkup he was at 100% right that man is look at him now you would never know we were in that crisis in December of last year you would never know it Mm mm-hmm that's so true some people are not that lucky right not that lucky not that blessed and how strong he is physically you know he was very healthy always worked out he lost a lot of weight and within a few weeks, it's just like, wait, what? You know, some men in the gym every day trying to get those kind of muscles and stuff. So 
he definitely, you know, bounced back. I remember just yeah. another small memory, Ma. Um, I came back to the hospital and I seen these alphabets on a piece of paper, you know, in your handwriting. And I'm just like, what is this? Explain that. Yeah, it was. He was trying to talk, but he couldn't talk because he had the trach. So it was hard for him to say stuff, even though it was in a whisper. So I made the alphabets. And I would put the letters up and have him appoint to what he wanted because he could still spell. He, you know, had his memory to do that. But I put it up so that he'd be able to say to me what he wanted to say that he couldn't get out. And wow. that's what we did every day. We used the alphabets. Oh, my goodness. And it was on some mail that I think you found in your purse or something, you know, just on the back of a piece of paper. You wrote the yeah. alphabets down. I and Ah, <laughs> oh, talk about a mother's love. Like, that's love right there. Ma, I just, uh, again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I just thank God for just healing George, a complete healing from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. The fact that we were able to celebrate this, you know, past holiday season with him. And to think that we were, before that, we were in, you know, ICU, not knowing if he was going to live. Just watching um, just his health decrease every single day. And for all of us to get together this holiday season, it was just such a blessing. He was happy. He was dancing. You were happy. It was the best. It was probably the best Christmas I've had, even though I love Christmas. And that's normally when we're all together. Last year was the first Christmas in a long time that we were not together. Yeah. Because I was there in the ICU with him and you guys were back home. So, yeah, this, this Christmas holiday was absolutely the best. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. Well, Ma, it looks like we are coming to an end on episode one of season two. I thank you so much for just sticking in there with me. You know, we had to do some rescheduling and COVID-19 kind of, you know, played a part. But we are here. We recorded. We got our story out there. So I just thank you for your time. And I thank you for sharing your story. I also just want to thank you. Of course. I also want to thank you for just being the best mom that you knew how to be, you know, um, for always providing for us. We never, ever went without. There might have been some things that we wanted, and it's probably materialistic things, but we never went without the things that we actually needed. So I thank you for loving us, for spoiling us. You know, you always, always give your last. Thank you for teaching us how to be men and women and how to be strong, how to be good, loving people. Ma, I love you and I thank you so much. Love you too. You are most welcome. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Ah, This was episode one of season two. I had my mom on the show today and I'm just so grateful to just be in the position to have a platform to inspire, to encourage, to motivate you know, to help heal. So I thank you for always listening and tuning in. I thank you, um, House Hill Media, for just always pushing my content, you know, for um, producing. So thank you, thank you, House Hill Media. If you have questions, if you need a bigger network and platform, 
House Hill Media. Again, I am Jada Sharice. More to the story. You can check out my blog at jadasharice.com. You can purchase my book, Brokenness That Made Me Whole, on Amazon. And you can always tune in to my podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. That's it, y'all. That's my time. Until next time, because there's always, always more to the story. And I appreciate your love and all your sacrifice. Without you by my side, I never could survive. I wouldn't be the one standing here before your eyes. You told me straight.